Hello, I'm Jason. I am the senior editor at ButWhyThough.net and the producer of But Why Though the podcast. I watch way too many movies. Like, so, so many movies. And the hardest part about being someone that watches way too many movies is that more often than not, I'm the only one I know that's seen it. And so that's why I'm here with this new show. I'm calling I Bet You Haven't Seen That. It's kind of a combo of I challenge you to tell me that you have seen it, so let's talk about it, and a way for me to share some of the things that I really do think not enough people are getting their eyes on, and I hope that people will. Because I am who I am, I can't help but do some wordplay, and I've separated out these little reviews and recommendations into some categories. We've got streaming, we've got seating, and we've got fleeting. I'm going to start us off with a streaming recommendation. This movie, to be honest, it could actually fall into the streaming or seating category. It's coming out on Netflix in late December, but it's actually currently playing in select theaters. And so the reason I'm talking about it now is if you can do so safely and affordably, I implore you to see this movie in theaters instead of waiting for it to go on streaming. It's already playing in some very select theaters with more places coming soon. So I bet you haven't seen this first pick. I'm talking about Maestro. Bradley Cooper directed and stars. It is... One of the only movies this entire year that I have come out of the theater and said, I love that. This is Cooper's second time in the director's chair after A Star is Born, and he pulls out all of the stops for this movie. It is not really what you would think it would be. It's a movie about Leonard Bernstein, the famous and well-accomplished American composer and conductor and teacher, but... It's not a biopic in that classic sense of like, it's lionizing him. It's not following a particular arc of his life. Like it isn't about how he became a conductor. It's not about how he wrote the music for West Side Story. It's really just about him and his wife, Felicia, and their relationship to themselves and each other. And from the beginning of the movie to the end, it uses incredibly creative editing and all of the soundtrack is music from Bernstein's life that he wrote and from top to bottom it's just this incredible portrayal of two people who just they love each other no matter what but they can barely love themselves and they struggle to love each other most of the time but they revolve around one another in such a special way and they both the performances are incredible I wept when the like I'm a musician, I don't, I, I love music, but I, I'm not usually so moved by classical music necessarily. Like, I, I enjoy it, but it's not, like, usually the first thing I gravitate towards. But there's a scene in the movie where Cooper puts on the most amazing emotional performance conducting an orchestra, and it's, it's beautiful to watch, it's beautiful to hear. This is why I think if you can see it in a theater, you absolutely should, because the soundscape of a theater, especially in this scene, but really for the whole movie and its its soundtrack, it's so worth it. But just everything, and the, the context around this moment, though, is filled with so many different emotions having to do with where he is in his life and where his wife is in his life and where he and Felicia are in their own lives together at the moment. And, oh my goodness, it's truly like, I can't gush about it enough. It is one of the most interesting and differently produced conceived biopics that I've seen because it's not really a traditional biopic. It's not focused on, like I said, the life of Bernstein as a as a person. It's about his love and the fact that he was a 
non-heterosexual person in a time when being not heterosexual was not only taboo, but there wasn't really even great language for it necessarily still. And the way that that interacts with the love that he has for his wife and that she has for him and, and the way that they feel about themselves, it, it's just, it is absolutely one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And if you can see it in theaters, do it. If you can't, it's coming to Netflix December 20th. Next up, this movie was seating for like one showing only in New York on the 26th of November, but no word on whether it'll be on VOD, so don't really know if you can consider it streaming either, but whatever, my show, my rules. Check out The Shadow of the Sun, La Sombra del Sol, directed by Miguel Angel Ferrer. It's playing at the Museum of the Moving Image, and... It is Venezuela's submission to the Oscars for 2023. It's first time director, first time that most of these actors have been in major movies, and it's pretty good. I, I It's about two brothers who are separated by a pretty big age gap, and their parents died many years ago when Leo, the older brother, was already pretty much an adult, but Alex, the younger brother, was a pretty young kid, and Alex also happens to be deaf, the two of them have kind of drifted a little bit over the years. They're not as close as maybe they both want to be. Leo's kind of hitting really tough financial times. He ends up having to rely on Alex to help find some work. And in the midst of all of this, Alex comes across a flyer for a song competition that he is dead set on entering the two of them in. Leo used to be a musician, a singer, and Alex never really saw this side of his brother, but is both really inspired to bring that side of his brother back. And he himself is a really big writer and reader, and he wants to write the lyrics to the song and have Leo perform it, basically. It's a really nice movie about two brothers. It's a nice movie about all of the old friends that Leo brings together to bring the band back and the way that, you know, time moves on, but certain things never change. It touches a lot on the impacts of poverty and crime in this rural community. And ultimately, though, it's this really nice movie about how even when things are really difficult, even when things are pretty dismal, it's essential that we seek joy anyway, because without finding things to have joy in, without finding things that to love, to do things that we love, what's the point? So is the movie a little corny here and there? Absolutely. Is it evidently low budget? Yes. Does that add to the charm of it? Yeah, I think so. It's the kind of movie that, you know, it's a little coming of age. It's a little drama, family drama, but it's it's a small character and relational study. If you end up getting to see it in the theater, awesome. If it ends up making its way to VOD or streaming somewhere later on, check it out when you can because it's one of those movies that you can pop on, not really have to overthink, but get a nice little emotional time out of it. Plus, I really actually like how it's not about the music itself. You get a lot of the movie from Alex's perspective, which means there's a lot of moments that are just silent or with ambient noise, and it's meant to show how... It's not really about the songs. It's about the feelings that they're imparting, and that's really cool, too. The third movie I bet you haven't seen today is coming from the fleeting category. Fleeting movies are ones that are currently streaming, but if you don't catch it before the end of the month, it'll be too late. It's gone. So today I'm flipping on the Criterion channel to tell you about a documentary that is leaving the platform at the end of November, November 30th, called Seahorse, The Dad Who Gave Birth. 
Seahorse is about a trans man named Freddie who hits 30 and realizes that he wants to have a family. He wants to have kids. And he also decides that the most practical, affordable way to do this is to have his own child with his own body. And so it's this incredibly both interesting, and I'll explain why I say the word interesting, and emotional story about a real human being who goes through something that I'm sure that most people are not thinking about, and even if they are, not understanding from the inside what it's like. I call it interesting because it is very intentionally a movie that tries to be informative. It's clearly meant for, among other people, people who might be considering going through the th same thing themselves. It's for people who might love someone who might be thinking about going through the same thing. And so it's very intentional about showing Freddie's day-to-day experience. It's one of those kind of documentaries that like, they don't, they can't plan in advance. It's just following his life. So it could be really interesting. It could be really disinteresting. And fortunately, it finds a nice balance between things that are difficult and, and emotional and, and dramatic, which, you know, keeps things interesting as a movie, but they're also not like overwrought with trauma and melodrama. It's very much showing just the very real emotional and physical experience that Teddy's going through. Teddy has to basically temporarily detransition, stop taking testosterone, start having a period in order to become pregnant. And so it's both a physically and emotionally galling task to have to change your body like this to, to do something that will make him physically and emotionally uncomfortable with how his body will be for the time that it takes to become pregnant and have a child. And also just the simple fact that when he becomes pregnant, he will be a person that is a man presents as a man who is pregnant and talks a lot about what preparing for that feels like, what experiencing that feels like. You obviously can't fathom what this experience is like if you're not Freddie, if you're not a trans man, but the documentary does a really good job of putting you in his perspective and helping people like I said, who might be considering this themselves or have loved ones who might consider this themselves at some point, understand all of the details of what somebody has to go through to be a trans man that has a baby with their own body. Fortunately, if you're not a Criterion channel subscriber, it is also streaming on other platforms and available to rent, but it is fleeting from Criterion. If you have the opportunity to check it there, absolutely do before it disappears from the platform at the end of the month. Normally, we'd cut it off here. Three little recommendations per episode, three reviews, three movies I bet you haven't seen. But because this is the first one, I want to throw you two more movies that I bet you haven't seen. I'm going to give you the first one here, Streaming. It's a movie that, like Maestro, I absolutely loved. Like, in that rare category this year of movies that I cannot stop thinking about. I bet you haven't seen the Polish romantic epic, Forgotten Love. It is a remake of a movie called The Quack that came out in the 80s and was a widely beloved Polish romance at the time, and itself was an adaptation of an early 1900s novel. So it's got a long pedigree, and I've seen both versions. A lot of people before it came out thought that, oh, well, the original was so good, why remake it? You know, a classic, a classic argument. But I've seen both, and the remake is so much better than the original. And the original is good, but the remake feels like it's just on such a different scale. Forgotten Love is basically, it sounds a little silly on paper. It's about 
a renowned doctor who has a rival wants his job he's got a wife who he doesn't really give the right amount of attention to because he's so busy working and he has a daughter who he loves more than anything in the entire universe. At some point, the wife decides to run off with their daughter to be with her lumberjack lover in the woods and leave him behind. This makes our main character absolutely distraught. He gets the life beaten out of him in the streets and his rival doctor watches the whole thing and doesn't do anything about it because he wants his job. And years later, we find that Anthony, our main character, as he's now known, has a terrible case of amnesia, literally remembers nothing about who he is, where he's come from, and why he's been wandering the Polish countryside for years, looking for something he can't remember. And, of course, he eventually comes upon a town where it just so happens that his daughter also lives and works, and the movie turns into a dual romance where both Antony and his daughter are in the throes of love. They're both totally different romances and they are both really lovely and beautiful in very different ways. And it's just such a sweet movie. Everything in it is gorgeous. There's like all of these really cool looking old cars and motorcycles and the color is just rendered so lovely. <sighs> I love this movie so much and on a personal side of it too this is a movie that takes place in early 1900s Poland and there were lots of Jewish people that lived in Eastern Europe in the time and usually when you see depictions of Jews in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s, you see poor communities, shtetls as they're called. The Jews live separately from everyone else. They're poor, they're disheveled, bad things happen. It's often a usually very stereotypical depiction, even when Jewish people are the ones making them. I love the way that this movie depicts the Jewish community in the town where it takes place in the way that it actually was at the time where, yes, Jewish people lived in like their own quarter of town, but they still lived in the same towns as everyone else. And that's never how things are depicted in movies. The like main pubs owned by a Jewish family and you see lots of Jewish patrons there. Yeah, they usually sit at a table together by themselves, but they also do interact with everyone else. Like this is a real honest and accurate depiction of what a town might have been like in this part of the century where it wasn't just poor Jews living by themselves and separated. It was just a town where people cling to their own kind because that's normal and it's it's actually good sometimes to have a community of your own people. So I love that part of the depiction in this movie. Anyway, it's an amazing romance. I love everything about it, top to bottom. Forgotten Love, streaming on Netflix. And for one last bonus movie, I bet you haven't seen Foe. It's available to purchase right now on streaming platforms, video on demand. I saw it back when it was in theaters. It's a Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mesco movie that was honestly pretty lambasted by critics and fans alike. I think it's great. Or... I think that what it's trying to do is great, at least. It's a really small cast. There's basically the two of them and one more actor in it. And first and foremost, they're all hot. It's really nice to look at. And they all are really good actors. Even if it's strange that you've got two Irish actors putting on American accents, pretending to be in the Midwest when they're filming in Australia, when they didn't have to do that. But aside the point. It's this really overly complicated sci-fi concept that is shadowing out the way more interesting relationship dynamic that's going on here. I think the sci-fi stuff is very cool. It's basically an apocalyptic future, like 
all movies are these days, and you can read why I did not care for that part of the movie in my review on butwhytho.net. But basically, the Mesco character is selected to be part of some kind of program where he gets to live in a space station in orbit as an experiment for when humans have to abandon Earth once and for all. But only he can go, his wife can't go, the Ronin character, and they're gonna replace him with a like human replica basically for the time that he's gonna be off planet so that his wife doesn't have to be alone. The sci-fi stuff on its own works, I think. Way better than most people think it does at least. I don't know, it's, it's a really cool concept, but what's way, 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 way more interesting and really, I think, fascinating and genius about this movie to a degree is that it's actually a movie about people who got married way too young and shouldn't have. It's a movie about two people who, if you listen to the words that they say, it's easy to dismiss it as a bad script because they sound really juvenile and weird sometimes. But it's evident as you watch the movie that these two people have barely known other people their whole lives. They live pretty isolated, they clearly don't have neighbors or talk to their co-workers, and they explain at some point that they basically got married right after school. And it shows. If you've ever been in a relationship like this or you know people who have, you can hear the kind of ways that they talk to each other that are very immature, very, they only tolerate it because they don't know any other way and they don't know anyone else. And they feel like this is just what relationships are like when they don't have to be that way. And their third interloper character kind of laughs his butt off at watching the two of them. And so did I. Like, I loved seeing him be this person that came into this relationship and said, you two are wild and I'm loving every minute of this because it is hilarious. And so once it clicked for me that this was a perspective to watch foe through, it became a really, really fascinating and funny and interesting movie. And I think people are giving it way too much heat because yes, it's overcomplicated. It gets in its own way. It's trying to do too many things at once. No one wants to think about climate apocalypses right now, but if you get past all of those pieces, it is well worth watching these really hot and really good actors play this completely immature and irresponsible relationship and the ways that they dig into each other, the ways that they are and aren't intimate with each other. I thought it was really good in that way. So there you have it, five movies. I bet you haven't seen them. Let us know if you have. Hit us up on all of the social medias and on Discord. And, I don't know, prove me wrong. Tell me you've seen any of these five movies. Tell us what you think. And we'll be back with some more movies I bet you haven't seen soon.